Hello, welcome back to the Equippers International podcast short version. I'm going to get right back into Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read the first couple of verses. If you remember in the previous episode, I went through and highlighted kind of a list of things that the writer of Hebrews talks about in regards to Jesus. We're going to pick back up on that list and lift out one specific characteristic. But let's just read the first two verses again. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Through whom also he made the world. Now, this morning we're going to focus on this phrase, through whom he also made the world. On one level, we know for sure that Jesus was very instrumental in the process of the creation of the world. I mean, the writer of Hebrews says that through him, he made the world. Uh, God made the world through Christ. There's other verses in the New Testament that really bring this across in John chapter 1. Verse 3, John says, All things have come into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. And again, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, Paul says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together just a little side note if you take this passage i just read in colossians chapter 1 and you kind of superimpose it over on hebrews 1 1 through 4 the very introductory verses that we're focusing on now you'll see a lot of similarities this is one of the reasons why some people would say that paul actually wrote the book of hebrews even though he didn't sign his name to it but anyway, just wanted to throw that in there as a little side note. Again, in 1 Corinthians 8, 5, and 6, Paul says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. So you see that the New Testament writers hold Jesus in the highest regard in terms of his role in creation and actually bringing about all things into being. But I really want to focus this morning on this little word world at the end of verse two. It says there that through him also he made the world. Literally, that word is the Greek word for ages. It's not the very common word cosmos for the created natural world, but it's this other Greek word ion, and it means ages. It's also translated in many passages as forever. But the New Testament is very, very clear Jesus talks about it, Paul talks about it, that there are two ages. There is this present age and there is the age to come. And in regards to this idea, Jesus is God's last word regarding the age to come. Now, I want to talk about this a little bit and kind of bring some things to light. I think if you'll bear with me, it will be an encouragement to you and your relationship with the Lord. 
So what is the writer saying here? Maybe in a deeper sense, he's saying that Jesus is the one that has been instrumental in bringing about the actual ages of man. And I know that may sound kind of strange, but let me kind of unpack it for us. So in regards to who Jesus is, he is God's last word regarding his plan for mankind. In that way, he is the creator of literally a new age. So God's desire and plan to bring about a new creation has happened in Christ because what happened with the original creation is it fell. It was tainted. We know the whole story all the way back in the Garden of Eden. We know that mankind was deceived and was led into sin. And as a result, all of mankind was tainted through sin. And so God's intention was not just to remove sin. His intention was to bring about a new age in which there would literally be a new creation, a new humanity. Now, I want you to listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 47. He says, It is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. And the second man is from heaven. So what is Paul doing? Paul is putting in contrast two men, Adam and Christ. And Adam he refers to as the first Adam. He's the first created man. And Jesus he refers to as the last Adam. That means that Jesus is the one that puts an end to the Edemic race, the part of humanity that was under the bondage of sin in Adam. And then he refers to Jesus as the second man. And as the second man, he begins a new humanity created in righteousness, which characterizes the age to come. So without going into too much more detail, here's what the application I want to make is. We usually in Christianity become very preoccupied with what we call the end times. It's this word eschatology. I referred to it in the previous session because the writer of Hebrews talks about in these last days. I think it's important for us to kind of align ourselves with an understanding of the way the biblical writers understood the last times, because we stand 2,000 years removed from the writings of the New Testament, and we believe that the last times are still ahead of us in the future. But that is not the concept that the New Testament writers lived with, because they believed that the last days were realized through the word of Jesus Christ, that the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross and through his death and resurrection and ascension and the bringing about of the possibility of experiencing the reality of the new man was the last days. It was the second age. It was the age to come. But instead, we've become very preoccupied with the end times and our need to understand what future events 
one's hold. Now, what I want to encourage us in this morning is that that preoccupation with the end times needs to be replaced with a deep appreciation and understanding for what God has actually done through Jesus Christ to bring about his final plan for mankind. Now, I wrote down a couple things. I want to read them because they actually reflect exactly what I wanted to say. I didn't want to get this wrong. Here's what I want to leave you with. Anything that happens in the future regarding God's plan, I believe, will only reflect the fuller reality of what he has already accomplished in his son, Jesus Christ, to bring about the new humanity. So coming to this place and recognizing, just like the biblical writers, I believe they experienced so much confidence and so much ability to encourage us to press on because they believed that God had finished his work in Christ Jesus. So if we come to a place that we understand that God's work has been finished in Christ Jesus, then it will produce a deep and abiding sense of peace and security in the knowledge of what God has accomplished instead of living in a place of insecurity and wondering what might happen in the future. We do not have to worry about the future because God has done everything that he needs needed and wanted to do in Christ Jesus. So understanding Jesus's place in God's economy, if you can put it that way, to bring about this final age in which we now live in the reality of who Christ is in us, and we can experience the new humanity today. However things will play out in the future is not what should be filling our minds. What should be filling our minds and our hearts is what God has already accomplished and what we're able to experience fully today as we live in these last days, in the final work that God accomplished in Jesus Christ. So be encouraged today, be strong and courageous, and love Jesus more.